Okay, well, welcome to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name is James Mason. I'm joined today by Adrian Romero from EFE Consulting Group, which has offices in Mexico and the United States. Adrian's been um, in Mindshop for four years now, and I'm really looking forward to hearing about his journey of how he scaled from being a, a business advisor to now more of an entrepreneur with multiple businesses that he's founded. So thank you for joining me today, Adrian. Thank you, James, for having me. I'm delighted to be here and, and talking to you and your audience. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's been great. And knowing you've just jumped on a, a plane from uh, Tijuana to, to Dallas-Fort Worth, it's, uh, I appreciate you making the, the time. Uh, so it was, it was good looking back on your, your history. I mean, you started EFE Consulting Group in 2009, uh, but are now CEO and co-founder of many different businesses in a variety of industries. So it'd be good just to hear more about your journey to date and the growth you've achieved in, in recent years. Sure. Uh, well, I started the firm when I was only 24 years old. So uh, before that, I worked for almost five years at, a, I would say, one of the leading regional firms in Mexico, in the northwest side of Mexico, right at the border. Uh, I started actually working uh, in, uh, in the field of international taxes. I started with transfer pricing when, when transfer pricing was becoming a very hot topic in Mexico. Uh, fast forward, uh, I, I founded our firm uh, when I was 24. It stayed as a boutique firm, very specialized in transfer pricing and financial valuation for the first, I would say, five years. And then, uh, you know, things went good. Uh, the legislation started to, uh, to appear in multiple countries across Latin America. We, we started expanding, opening new offices, hiring people all across the region. And today we are basically a full service firm. We are around 240 people uh, across eight offices. Latin America still accounts for, I would say 90, 95% of our entire revenue. And then we have a small office. That's one of the newest ones in San Diego in California where I'm usually at working from. And uh, I mean, that's basically it in, term, in, terms, of the, in terms of the firm. Uh, and you know, the firm has also enabled me uh, through the experience I gained uh, working with clients, developing services, uh, having resources like Mindshop available uh, to become more of an entrepreneur, uh, opening you know, different companies in the last five years. And right now, the group in general is about 500 people. Fantastic. So what was the, the trigger? I mean, have you always had this entrepreneurial bent to you? I mean, from quite a, a young age with a you know, young family as well. You're yeah. you know, busy, busy guy. I mean, what, what's been the trigger from your perspective to, to want to start so many of these businesses? Yes, uh, it's funny because when I was a kid, I didn't really, you know, thought about myself as a, a CPA or an advisor. I, I, the thing that I had always in my mind was basically to, to start a business. Uh, the main motivator when I was a little kid was to not work for someone and to be able to, uh, you know, earn enough money to have access to options and, and do things that I like. So as I, I, as I was growing up, going through college and all of that, uh, I, I looked at consultants and I really liked the, I would say the, the image they, they, they portrayed, like, you know, people in suits and, and you know, advising for companies and traveling all around the world and get, getting paid very nicely and all of that. So that's really what, you know, lured me into the advisory world. And once I, I was there, I really got hooked up. I really liked and enjoyed the work. 
However, I always had that in me of, you know, starting a business and also be on the other side, not, not on the advisor and the consultant side, but also on the business owner side of things. So that really has given me the perspective of understanding a lot of things the way they should be. And as a business owner, the way you want them to be, right? So uh, you have to leverage that into, you know, what you can do and, and what, you know, the government and, and, and all, all the stakeholders uh, expect from you. Yes. And, and a lot of your skills you had as an advisor, I mean, knowing, knowing you, you've always been relatively strategic, I think, you know, as one of your, your natural skill sets. But is there sort of other elements that you brought from uh, your, the skills you've got as an advisor into being able to grow so rapidly over the last five years? Is there a couple of key traits that you feel you've really amplified that have helped you on that journey? Yeah, I think that as an advisor, uh, we we are you know by nature very very disciplined, very focused, and we're always trying to learn new things. And when you're a business owner, sometimes we kind of forget about that. We're, we're running a successful business, we're growing, we're getting money, we're hiring people, and we think that we know it all. We think that we're on top of the world, and we kind of forget to be humble and you know keep learning. So uh, as an advisor, I think that one of the things that I've learned and it it will stay with me always is that every time that I'm, I come across something new, I'm very curious about you know, information and, and, and looking for the, the source of the information and expanding my knowledge. And sometimes I'm, I'm involved into, you know, educational programs that I'm not, you know, going to really, I would say, apply as a full-time job, but I'm there just because I'm trying to learn something and then bring it on in a practical way to my business. So it really helps on both fronts because sometimes there are services that I can add to my portfolio in my firm, but I also take advantage of those you know, services and that knowledge in my own companies. Mm. Yeah, and I've noticed that about you. You've quite, uh, you know, a big uh, open to learning from lots of different, um, you know, it's almost, you, you must feel as though you've got the fire hose on you. Sometimes there's so much information, but you do seem to have that ability to take on board concepts, uh, apply it in a practical way, as you, as you said. Um, and, and, you know, that's obviously helped. I mean, is there anything else that you've found that's really driven you to get the growth? Um, I mean, you, you said you've sort of wanted to continue that journey and, and look at, you know, people that have got that success over the journey, but anything else that's really driven you? Well, there are two main drivers in my life. The first is that uh, I come from every, uh, what I would say a very low to middle class family, uh, single mom, no siblings, uh, so I basically started working and, and living by my own when I was like 15 years old. So one of the things that I said before is having options. Uh, the option to be, you know, if I want to take a day off or a month or if I want to travel or if I want to do something with my kids, the option to do it. Uh, the other thing is having an impact. Uh, one of the, you know, dreams I had when I was growing up and, and thought about having a successful business was being able to build a charity organization, something that can really enable me to give back to other people. So uh, right now, a lot of my time is actually invested into a charity organization that I run that provides education and entrepreneurship skills to orphan kids in Mexico. In Mexico. So I'm really involved in that. It's something that really satisfies me. I, I see the impact that I'm, that I'm having and Sometimes, you know, it's about, you know, compromise and sacrifice and, and you need to put everything in the balance because I also have my own family. I have four little kids. I have a wife. And so it's kind of hard to, you know, be juggling everything at one time. 
But I think that uh, as long as you prioritize and you set your goals very clearly, uh, then you'll, you'll be able to do everything. Yeah, because that would probably leads me into another question I had. Being so busy and I've you know, see a lot of your posts on LinkedIn, you know, with your charity commitments, you're very good at, at, at sort of bringing on board younger talent within the firm as well. You've obviously had rapid growth. I mean, how do you stay pro productive and, and juggle all these various commitments? I mean, you, you're joining me from jumping off planes and the like. So is there a structure you've got around you that you can talk through what, what's working for you? Yes, yes, of course. I think that uh, I always think of, uh, ROI for me is not even as important as ROT, which is return on time. So uh, at, at the beginning, when you're starting a business, even when you're running a firm, I think that as a partner, sometimes you're trying to supervise everything. You're trying to run everything around. You're trying to meet with clients, train your staff, uh, review every single piece of work that comes out of your office. And that's, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at growth and scalability, that's impossible because you have to place processes in, you know, in, in place. You have to have the people, the structure, as you said it, uh, in order to keep growing. And sometimes you have to sacrifice a few things uh, and, and things are not going to be perfect all of the time. And, and you have to do that compromise. But I mean, in the long term, in the long run, you're going to be able to grow. So one of the things that was a key to really being able to, to manage all these different things that I do is to have a management system in place where uh, I only meet in you know 30 minute slots. I would say uh, I I only have one 90 minute uh, meeting per business per week. So I'm not like involved in the day to day operations anymore after the first year. So every time I start a new business, I'm there every single day. I'm I'm really hands on, but I'm always focusing from like day one on building a good, strong leadership team that when my business turns one year old, I can actually leave that leadership team working with the business, taking decisions, empowering them. And then I'll just meet with them once a week and I'll get a five minute recap every single day by, by the end of the day of what happened today. Mm -hmm. So that's my system and that has worked for me very well. And do you have some key metrics that you tend to look at with a lot of these businesses that, uh, that are yeah. key to that reporting structure? Yes, yes, of course. In that, in that specific weekly meeting, we look at KPI. So we have anywhere from five to 15 KPIs for each business. Every business has its own KPIs in every department and all of that. But I only look at five to 15, which are the most important ones to me. I see where we are in terms of the goals that we set for the quarter. I take a look at the revenue, the profit, all the metrics that I want to look at. And I spent actually most of that meeting helping the leadership team go through the most relevant issues where they think that they need my input. So I really try to have them, you know, uh, solve whatever issue comes across during the week. But there are some specific ones that where they need the advice or they need, you know, the, whether it's the experience or whatever. So they bring it into that specific meeting uh, once a week. Okay. And is there a course or a leadership team you've got around you that, that help you accelerate these businesses? I mean, you seem as though you've got a number of people that have been with you for some time. Yes. So we actually, I mean, there are a lot of management systems or frameworks available uh, from scaling up to EOS to, you know, uh, the other one's OKR. I mean, there are a lot available, but uh, I think that as long as you find the right tools for your business and you are 
taking a holistic approach in your company where you're looking at whether it's uh, the vision of the business, uh, strategic planning or the people component, or you're looking at processes or, or how to solve issues or having efficient meetings. As long as you have a framework in place where you can actually make it uh, repetitive in terms of doing the same things over and over again towards your goals. I mean, I mean, there, there are only, you know, a, a handful amount of issues or obstacles that you can find in the company. So, I mean, your, your leadership team eventually will be able to solve most of them uh, without having you to be there all of the time. Yes. Uh, and what would you say is the two to three key success factors to the growth and scale you've achieved so far, if uh, you wanted to espouse some of those lessons to our listeners today? Yeah, yeah. So uh, in, in my specific case, I think opportunity. Uh, and when I say opportunity, I'm kind of combining vision and, and tolerance to risk. If you're able to you know, foresee what might happen in the future and, and you're okay or you feel okay making investment or put, whether it's putting your time or your money into something or letting go other opportunities to really focus on one, and, and if you're not afraid to do it, even if that might fail, uh, then you're going to be able to really uh, grab something out of that opportunity. Uh, the other one is when something is not working, try to eliminate it as fast as possible, you know, reduce waste. And I know that we have a very good mindshop tool for that. Uh, so if something is not working, get rid of it as quickly as possible and really double down on the things that are working. Mm. Um, and the, and the last thing, I would say discipline, because whether it's in our personal lives, going to the gym, how we eat, everything is about discipline. So it doesn't really matter if you have that knowledge or the talent. If you don't have the discipline to really do it over and over again, it, will, it won't work. No, that, that's right. And uh, yeah, I, I think being able to then have that uh, ability to understand that early um, and as you said amplify the things that are working and do less of the things that aren't makes a lot of sense but you you've always you know, struck me as somebody with a lot of energy as, as well which I think becomes infectious to people around you as well so from an outside looking in I think the point I raised earlier about not only soaking up lots of knowledge but having the energy and the ability to filter out those elements rather than just trying to throw everything at, at a business I think you're very good at picking the bits that work and, and having that infectious energy to keep drawing that right talent to you the whole time as well. Yeah, it's amazing how 20-year-olds, uh, sometimes they're, they're feeling tired. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> why? why you know, and it's, it's, for me, it's, as long as you have purpose, uh, you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't run out of energy. Yeah. So you should be motivated. You should be, you know, uh, you, you want to wake up early in the morning to start doing the things you do. So uh, having, you know, a good amount of energy and keeping it, during the day, uh, if you pick the right, the right people for your team, it will become part of the culture of your business. And if everybody's working like that, you will thrive. Yeah, well, and a good balance around you as well. I think you've obviously got an understanding family and uh, oh, yeah. good, good supportive family as well, which, which would help us as well. Because I think if you, you don't have all of those elements working, one bit can really weigh you down like an anchor. Of course, of course. No, I try to, you know, I have some sacred rules around the house. Like I don't work on the weekends. I did before, before having kids. Now I don't work on Saturdays or Sundays. I get home before six o'clock in, in the afternoon and in the evening. Uh, I don't go to work uh, before my kids leave to school. I have my date night. So I really, you know, 
for me, families first, but I mean, the time that I'm, you know, doing work, I, I really focus on giving it a, a thousand percent. Mm, mm. Great. And, and obviously on any journey, there's things that haven't worked. So is there two to three key things that you've learned um, accelerating the growth that you have that, that really um, you'd do differently if you had your time again? Uh, yes, uh, I think that uh, first would be uh, very uh, to be very selective on the things that you, you know, you choose to do. Uh, when you're starting, when you're trying to pivot in your business, when you're trying to diversify or expand, sometimes you try to really grab whatever comes across. And if you're not selective, you're going to be really spending time and effort and resources in things that will not produce what you're expecting. And that could be very frustrating. Uh, so being selective in the topics, in the businesses, in the opportunities is one thing, but also in the people, because sometimes we're trying to uh, find partners because of money, because of time limitations or whatever reason. And we end up, you know, partnering up with the wrong people. Uh, and in some cases we don't find, find out until years from now. And that's, that, that could be very painful and, and nasty. So uh, it's, it's very good to, really do your homework in terms of who is the best, the right person to partner up with and why. And, and it's, it's, it's basically a marriage. Everybody knows this. Uh, so mm. you got to think long, long-term. Yes. Yeah. And have the right core values that are aligned as well. Yeah. I think anything that's ever gone wrong that I've found, in, in, it, it's always been a disconnect on core values that, that um, but finding that out early is, is key. Um, any, anything else you'd say that, that hasn't worked on the journey for you? Um, no, I think, uh, I think, I think that that's the main thing being selective because it's also, it's about prioritizing and, and, you know, uh, understanding what's, what's relevant, what's important, what's a priority, uh, understanding the differences between all of those. Uh, mm. so, you know, you can allocate your time the best way possible and have the best return. Yeah, no, good, good point. So just to round us off with some uh, sort of quick fire questions, I'd be interested in your thoughts on some some broader context as, as well uh, around entrepreneurship. And, and I know you go to a lot of conferences and as I said, right throughout this, uh, this recording, um, you, you're quite well read. So what, what do you feel is one of the trends that's most overhyped um, for those that are seeking to be entrepreneurs at the moment? And why, why would that be? Well, I think one of the, the topics that every entrepreneur is talking about right now or since the pandemic started, I mean, in terms of opportunity, everybody, you know, it's like technology, 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 right? But it, because of the pandemic, I think the major topic for everybody has been culture. Um, I, I mean, in a lot of different, I would say, entrepreneur groups like EO and I'm joining YPO and, and other groups like that. So I get to hear and listen from thousands of entrepreneurs around the world and I've, I've seen that almost everybody has been, you know, worried about culture, how to, how to build a culture, how to, you know, maintain a, a good integrated culture when people are working from, you know, different countries or different locations. And, and I mean, there are services that as a professional, you know, consulting firm, we can offer in terms of measuring culture and, and you know, identifying the ideal culture and then closing that gap and everything else. But culture could be a really complex topic. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs uh, not really understanding how a culture gets built. And 
uh, you know, they're just, I would say, focusing too much on finding a solution instead of just, you know, going back to basics, taking care of their people, being nice leaders, nice persons, having, you know, be, being faithful to their core values, uh, basic stuff that if yeah. you really, if you really keep at it, uh, the people that you're attracting to your company will be aligned to that and everything's going to turn out nicely, right? Yeah, it has to be authentic to, to, okay. to you. And again, that's a, a cliche that's overused as well, but I, I tend to find that a lot of people are, are literally just trying to tick boxes and trying to be this yeah. you know, energetic, entrepreneurial, tech-focused. And, and if everybody's trying to do that, is that authentic? And, um, and when, when you're trying to build a culture that's, that's unique to the business, so... Yes, it, it kind of becomes very uh, aspirational in terms mm. of what we want to, you know, look like, but it's not really our core. And, and then it messes up things because we're getting people from very different backgrounds and different cultures and different core values. And it's not very aligned as it should be. So I think just, you know, keep it simple and be good. I mean, have an mm. impact in your, in your community, be, be a good leader, a good, a good boss. And yeah, that's half no. of the bottle. Great, uh, like, like simple. Uh, so the second question I had for you was, what's the most common strategy or hot topic that you're finding you're working on at present with business advisory clients? Well, uh, I don't know if, if it's going to be the same around the world, but for us in Latin America, uh, I would say the transition from you know family family businesses to a more institutional company. Uh, a lot of a lot of the leading you know uh, companies across the region are going right now into their second or third generation, and we see newer generations taking over and having a lot of ideas, but not they're not very very focused and they're trying to transition from their you know parents' company where they might not have a system they, they might not have the foundation really well you know established and then they're trying to come into the business and shake things up. So one of the things that we are working a lot with, uh, I would say mid-sized family-owned businesses right now is the succession planning, or not even planning, it's execution right now. Mm. So, you know, telling our clients, you know, hold on a little bit, let's put the foundations in the right place. And then that transition shouldn't happen in three months. It might happen in, you know, in 12 months, but it's going to be in a more I would say better order, orderly fashion way where things make sense. Okay, succession planning. I, I, I think that's, um, yeah, especially yeah. in that sort of space would be uh, definitely a, a hot topic at the moment. But yeah, as you said, adding a lot more sort of structure into that and implementation seems to be coming up a, a lot more at the moment, especially post-COVID, people trying to drive change with you know people working from home and the like. So um, I'm, I'm sure there's an endless amount of work in, in that space. And and that probably leads me into my last question in regard to yourself with what's the one capability area you're looking to improve in over the next 12 months for yourself personally? Well, it might, it might sound a little, a little crazy for a lot of people, but uh, right now, not only myself, but, but my partners, we're looking a lot into the, into the metaverse. Uh, okay. we've, we've seen a lot of successful attorneys right now that they started with specializing in cryptocurrency a few years back. Uh, nobody believed them right now they're doing very well so I think that at this moment that with the amount of you know traction that the metaverse is getting uh, there's a lot of things that people need in terms of 
valuation uh, intangibles. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things around that. That if that's the future, then I think it's a very good time for us to start, you know, building a practice around that and being able to yes. advise uh, investors that are whether whether it's investing or speculation or whatever. But there's a lot of things that are needed for uh, you know. You know, very high worth transactions there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, I've, I've read a bit about it, but uh, know very little at this stage other than what I've, I've read. So I'll be interested to hear how you, you go in that particular space. Um, you know, there's probably in my head still got a bit of a question mark over it, but there's certainly a lot of demand in that space. So it's good that you're um, able to dig a lot deeper. Very yeah. Very good. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time to share all your journey um, today. I think it's a, it's a great story and a lot of the insights that you provided today, I'm sure are going to be valuable to people um, to really hit on, you know, some of those simple aspects to, to getting success. It's not having to over, over engineer these things. A, a lot of the points you made today are just about doing the fundamentals really well, which and, and bringing energy to the table and, and balance, which I think you do really effectively. So thanks so much for sharing your insights uh, today and, and making the time for it. Thank you, James. Uh, and as always, uh, I, I always tell my fellow advisors, keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. Yeah, no, great points. So thank you again. Mm -hmm.